Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Podcast Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peace builders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to communities, eavesdrop on their communities and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace. Assalamualaikum. Greetings of peace from Manila. Uh, this is Salma Rasul. Uh, momentarily taking over the hosting duties for Amina Bernardo. Um, unfortunately, Amina is stuck uh, at the Dubai airport and she seems to have misplaced her phone. So, um, and the pressing issue of the day is something that we would like to focus on. So, uh for everybody listening in, this is your podcast, She Talks Peace, and we would like to focus the discussion on something that has been uh, horrifying. Millions of uh, viewers who've seen the horrific images uh, blasted over cable news and over regular TV and news reports and what we've been seeing on media, uh, what's been happening at the Gaza Strip. Joining me this morning is one of our dynamic uh, research staff who's also helping us in uh, our podcast series. Uh, Gab, why don't you greet our audience? Hello, good afternoon, everyone. I am... Gabriel Galvez, um, you can call me Gab, and I am part of the team actually working on She Talks Peace. So it's nice that from the back end of the podcast series, I'll now be able to talk about the pressing issues that we have now. So, yes. I thought it would be interesting to get your perspective. Uh, for those who do not know, uh, Gab's background. She's a recent graduate from Ateneo de Manila University, one of the leading universities here in the Philippines. And her course is on international relations. So what a perfect topic to focus on. Now, Gab, tell me, um, you know, October, do you know it's my birth month? October. <laughs> I just celebrated my birthday uh, last week. 
But, you know, uh, normally it would have been uh, a joyous occasion, right? But what is worrisome and what troubles me is when I turn on the news, I see images of women and children dying and their homes bombarded and destroyed. So, uh, you know, it it makes me uh, unhappy and quite upset that, you know, what's happening in the world? We're supposed to be building peace, crossing bridges, you know, getting people uh, united to focus on issues like climate change, environmental degradation, and then we see this uh, terrible imagery uh, coming in from the Middle East. Um, Gab, from your research on what's been happening uh, in the past month, starting October 7, right? What's behind this, uh, this conflict between the government of Israel and Hamas? Um, so actually, just to bring a little bit of context, as an international relations major, it might be surprising, but in our course, um, in our course, in my four years, we don't actually delve deeper much into the history of the, these kinds of conflicts, which as I learned, as I progressed through my senior years, I felt now we should talk about. And it's kind of worrisome because, for example, when the news blew out about the Hamas attack on Israel on October 7th, the initial um, perspective of people watching is actually, oh, oh my gosh, who bombed who? And the person who, the group who bombed this particular country will be labeled, of course, and scorned automatically without knowing, for example, the underlying um, nuances that comes with the attack and also the um, long-standing issues with that. And when I looked into it, I realized that I, I didn't know much about what's happening, happen, ha what's been happening in Israel. And we haven't been taught about it, which is actually very, very concerning because that's already me who is a student who's supposed to be knowledgeable about these things. And what's also worrying is, of course, for example, my family who mu knows much less about, for example, global affairs they will, for example, de develop these kinds of conjectures without researching or without really understanding what's been happening. So the, from the timeline, right, October 7, Hamas, Hamas has been, you know, known as to be one of the extremists very extremist groups, right? Highly uh, polarized. And most countries have labeled them as a terrorist group because they really use violence to push for or, you know, uh, publicize what their advocacies, advocacies are. Uh, right or wrong, still, uh, the way they use violence is not, is not humane. That's that's being very civil about it, right? But October 7, they struck around 22 sites, I think, in Israel. Normally, uh, 
from what I recall. The skirmishes would often be isolated, not it would not go deeper into Israeli territory. But this time around, uh, Tel Aviv and other outlying areas were struck. So of the 22 attacks, uh, how many there were around, how many were uh, casualties? Can you recall? Uh, I think around 200 people were killed and almost like more than a thousand people were, were injured in the attack. Yeah. But the problem was uh, Israel immediately countered, right? And again, um, heavily struck, uh, dropped bombs. And unfortunately, most of the victims were civilians. So we see images of women and children, both from Palestine and from Israel, suffering as casualties of this conflict. And yet, uh, although there, there have been some uh, countries who've been trying to de-escalate tension, still uh, the announcement of the government of Israel that they wanted the immediate evacuation of, what, over a million <laughs> civilians from the Gaza Strip, uh, you know, if, if you Google and do online research, the Gaza Strip has been, uh, some uh, news reporters term it as an open air prison because of the, you know, uh, extremely bad conditions, living conditions of people located in the strip, like, for 140 square kilometers, right? And there are how many millions of civilians? It's really densely populated. So right now, um, after October 7, there, ha there have been countermeasures undertaken by the government of Israel. And would you know that um, I, I got Viber messages, group chats, talking about what's happening in Gaza. And uh, would you believe that there has been a wide protest against what's happening and what's uh, the, the negative impact on the civilian communities? Uh, even in Harvard University, there was a huge protest against what's happening in Palestine. I don't know if you've read about it, but uh, student organizations and other organizations gathered in a wide protest march uh, calling for sobriety in the handling of uh, the conflict in the Gaza Strip. Your group, what have they been, I mean, for your international relations block, what have... What are their reactions? For instance, when I came back from Aceh, uh, the young students, young professionals there were, you know, were so upset with what has been happening and how it has affected the civilian population. In fact, when you go, we were, you know, roaming the streets of Aceh, uh, we see young people uh, campaigning, getting donations because they wanted to uh, get funds to buy relief supplies that they hope would be shipped to Gaza for the civilian community. Do you think there's a similar reaction among young Filipinos here? 
actually certainly because even my conversations with fellow international relations major even those of the younger age group they were really horrified and deeply concerned about what's happening because for us you know there are no winners in war like as long as there war everyone's victims and it's very hard to um see the any good effect that it will have and actually I I interned I interned in New York in a BIPOC community youth movement in New York a few years back and they are actually um gathering funds to ship it or to at least support organizations in Israel or, or Palestine that help the civilians or the victims on the ground and that's very interesting because for example that youth organization is focused on gun violence but are coming here together to help other communities from other states from other countries with other issues as well and i also um see that the other students for example because they don't have much reach yet what they're doing is they're writing about it so which i think is very important like like what we're doing here in she talks piece we're trying to talk about it to enhance dialogue so that more people will be um will know what's happening and that's our form of tribute and i think with the younger generation that's also how they kind of participate so yes and i see that there's been many protests actually of youth based organizations and even like um not just in the philippines but for example in the middle east like i saw groups of youth in tunisia in egypt for example lebanon even in burkina faso nigeria so those are very interesting to see also yeah but it, it, you know um our own Philippine government issued a statement. I mean, uh, President Marcos uh, right now is in Riyadh, right, for the ASEAN GCC summit. GCC is the Gulf Cooperation Council, which is mostly made up of uh, Middle East uh, states. And both, these are two regional blocks, right? Both uh, leaders from coming from both regional blocks condemned the escalation of violence in Gaza. Secondly, they called for de-escalation, sobriety, and that a focus should be made on how to alleviate the suffering of the civilians. Because like it or not, the first uh, among the first casualties are non-combatants, children and women and old people. So... Uh, the groups have been calling for, uh, you know, dialing down the sentiment and the, you know, the anger and knee-jerk reactions against, you know, countering violence with violence because nothing would, uh, it w- wouldn't bear any fruit, right? For if you're looking how to settle this conflict, it cannot be attained by use of uh, violent force. Rather, it ought to be done by dialogue, right? And um, they came out with a statement, I think, uh, a couple of hours ago, 
exactly asking uh, government of Israel to to pro- exercise sobriety and to temper its uh, measures against uh, Hamas and to make sure that whatever use of force it shouldn't be unnecessarily deployed in areas where they're densely populated by civilians. So what is alarming, at least for us Filipinos, and mostly for uh, those belonging to Southeast Asia, we have large uh, overseas workers in the Middle East. And any unrest would, of course, destabilize the political uh, climate in the region. And what's worrisome is uh, we've heard reports that, um, in fact, it was quite, uh, has been trending in social media that the nurse who was killed because she was uh, taking care of uh, a Jewish patient. And then again, we see reports of very young. Jewish people and very young Palestinians uh, taking arms and you know killing civilians. Why is this? Why why has this come to be? I mean, we we used to be more uh, circumspect in our actions, right? But considering the uh, current conditions in the Gaza Strip, where poverty I think is quite prevalent. In fact, the a poverty index there it has been in the extremes for the past two decades already, or more than two decades since the 1970s. It has been slowly uh, been dwindling to uh, and causing you no know, misery to most of the communities uh, located in the Gaza Strip. So, if you look at it again, it's a question of um, not only because we're familiar with the term, right? Historic injustice and land. Who has the right to occupy? This has been uh, addressed by the United Nations, but uh, no lasting solution has been reached since the ni- 1967. So I'm I'm not sure if, in your studies while you were at the Ateneo or even when you were in high school, whether it's part of your world history, what's been happening in. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. In the Middle East. Well, unfortunately, in... Like the in Ateneo, there are no specific um, courses that talk about, for example, what's happening or what has been happening for a few decades now, ever since the um, late 90s. And I think with how I'm telling that, it's very important 
that we actually forward these kind of education because I think it's it has come up also with how I work with, for example, PCID with the organization that even the stories of BARM, of Bangsamoro, isn't, isn't as widely um, talked about or isn't part of the curricula in the Philippines. And that is um, something that we should endeavor to um, promote further. And now that I'm, for example, working, it delivers kind of a lesser understanding of what's happening. And I think we really need to talk about this further. Gab, uh, since you're, you're in your late teens and early 20s, right? Uh, how do you think, why do you think uh, the young Palestinians and the young Jews are, how do you say this, are motivated to use violence in this, in this, in this case? Uh, what makes them take, take arms, as, as we've seen uh, val, va, various reports you know, and uh, media coverages, coverages show, showing uh, very young civilians you know, taking arms? Uh, what, you know, uh, what do you think is, uh, enters into their psyche? What makes them uh, susceptible to, you know, uh, doing violence against their fellow, I mean, they all live in the same community, right? Yes. So, I mean, just the fact that they are, for example, compelled or they think that they need to sub like resort to violence means that, I believe, for example, they think that there's not nothing else that can be done aside from using violence. So, for example, it may be a belief that they have or it's a frustration of not being heard that they have exhausted other means that they think must I use violence to um, forward my the issues, my rights, or what I'm fighting for. This is not to say that Violence is good. Of course, we are not saying that. But it also brings into consideration when we look into the issue that what 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 makes it possible that even the youth with so much ahead and, of course, with so much feeling would believe that they really need to resort to violence. So, yes. Do you think with the situation happening in Gaza, and then here in our region, we also have uh, problems faced in Myanmar and southern Thailand, right? And here in our in our area, uh, the conflict that's uh, that is usually reported in Mindanao, although there has been relatively, I mean, peace and order, the situation has re relatively stabilized. But again, because of the heated rivalry, this coming. Uh, barangay elections again we see uh, pockets of uh, violence or you know uh, conflict uh, appearing in certain spots but 
you know, for for a person as young as you, uh, how do you what? How does the future look like to you? I mean, if you see this. Images of uh, war, of uh, damaged buildings, and uh, bodies thrown over the rubble in the Middle East, and then you also hear reports of violence in uh, southern Thailand and you know areas in the Philippines. Do you th- are how do you view this? Does it make you pessimistic, or did or you still have? optimism in so far as your future uh, is like? Actually, two things. So initially, of course, there's a big worry, a big concern on what even the future holds because, of course, we we don't also forget that just um, a year ago, there's the Russia and Ukraine like conflict and then now this is happening also and we know that there are many things stirring in other places for example in the world um, not even far from us and when i talk about it with for example my edu- with my um with youth of my generation we really are concerned that what is there to look forward to some people are asking that really like what is there to look forward to? Should we even fight this hard work this hard if we're not sure that the future that is waiting for us is peaceful or if there even is a future waiting for us, which is very, very concerning because like to see the youth even much younger than me think like that, it's very concerning. But also at the same time, this of course especially is with people from my circle, for example, in the political the political science majors, the international relations majors. The second thing is it's also what um, compels us to work harder, to fight harder, just so these concerns of the younger generation and even the generation of ours won't be materialized, even in the small pockets of for example resistance or action that can be done so i think it goes both ways so there's concern but also it kind of challenges us and empowers us to act yeah you know i saw a statement made by the chinese government surprise surprise they were condemning the violence uh, happening in gaza but uh, no mention about you know uh, the occupation and the move by the oh they condemned the Israel the government of Israel for uh, forcibly evacuating uh, the million or so occupants uh, or residents of of uh, the Gaza Strip and I was thinking hmm what about the West Philippine Sea <laughs> and. And the way they're uh, denying our fishermen uh, the opportunity to fish in our own territorial waters. So if you look at these reports, right, it, it it's kind of depressing. So how do you, I mean, how do young people uh, attain or still retain their motivation, you know, as they, you know, 
continuously see every day there's always some uh, depressing news uh, of conflict uh, here in the Philippines, in Southeast Asia, and then what's happening in Ukraine and what's happening right now in the Middle East, in Gaza. I think ultimately because we know that for um for example for peace to be promoted for something to happen the change really needs to also start from like the people from us and while for example there is we're scared of the horrors or the implications of what we're seeing what we're um what we're hearing there's nothing really better than to try to help and for example um i think this is this also speaks to how most or some of us are called to be service oriented as well because for you know like i really believe that if we want to see the change if we want to see peace and we want for that peace to continue it's really an active um, action or um, effort from the people. And if we just try to, if we just step back or if we just succumb to the threats or the concerns that we have even as youth, then I think think the concerns we have then might materialize. So that's why we really have to think towards acting and not just staying where we are. You know, um, yesterday I was part of a panel uh, looking at women, peace, and security and how the key concepts in the UN Security Council Resolution 1325 can be cascaded down to the community. The the forum was attended by uh, community leaders here in Metro Manila and the National Capital Region. So one of the questions posed to us was, what can uh, community leaders do, for instance, to, to embed this concept of peace and to make that as a priority goal uh, for all communities. Uh, most of the attendees were women, although there was a uh, maybe 20% male. And most of the women were, were asking, what can women in the community do? For instance, what can women here in the Philippines do to help uh, their sisters suffering in uh, Gaza or in Myanmar or in uh, Ukraine, aside from you know uh, raising their voices opposing uh, unnecessary violence deployed by military forces, right? What else can they do? What do you think uh, can be done? Okay, so yeah, of course. I think aside from just opposing, because I think it also is similar to how we see these statements. And funnily enough, 
in international relations. That's very much a common like path, you know, making these statements to um, support or deny or say something about the specific issues. But of course, community level with women or with youth, I think what's important is mobilizing, really working together to, for example, help the communities going on the ground or seeking to hear um, what's happening or actively organizing programs to spearhead these dialogues. So I think that's one step ahead from just saying something to um, to declare words with statements, but actively mobilizing to gather, for example, key stakeholders or um, getting resources so that it can be received by those who really need it, and even um, empowering the voices of those who think they're not being heard. Because in the first place also, it's not just trying to heal what's been, for example, um, what's been destroyed, but also making an effort to prevent further damage being done or for this to be happening. And I think communities work well doing that, not just um, in the front level, but also in the back level. You know, what's interesting are the reports of um, interviews done with uh, the civilians, right? There was one... Uh, casualty, I think, was a human rights advocate, uh, a Jewish human rights advocate. And the family, I forget the name, but I think if you, if you Google it, uh, the family said that you, should, you shouldn't use the loss of, uh, a fa- of their family member as a, a justification to escalate violence against Palestinians. So, you know, you, there's there's a certain divide, right, between what government's uh, policies are in, in, in this case, in the conflict in, in Gaza, and what the civilian populations feel. Because if you look at, if you hear and read uh, the comments and the sentiment shared by the average uh, Jew, the Palestinians in Gaza, they're saying that we don't hate uh, the Jewish people. The Jewish people say we don't hate the Palestinians because, the, the, I mean, we they had learned to coexist. But uh, the adverse policies taken by the government of Israel in further the hardline stance it has against uh, as it pursues Hamas, it has a, a very, very adverse impact on civ- civilian populations. And this is what struck me most because most of the protesters in any of the mass demonstrations that has been occurring across the world, uh, most of them are also Jewish, uh, you know, the uh, Jewish uh, citizens. Uh, and they also point to the fact that uh, the Palestinians also deserve their place. And it, uh, Hamas is not Palestine, and Palestine is not Hamas. So there should be a, 
differentiation. Unfortunately, the bullet and the bomb does not <laughs> recognize it. The minute it's it's the bond the bomb is dropped, or the minute the bullet leaves the barrel of the gun, it strikes any person, regardless of identity, right? So again, this use of force. And what's worrisome is uh, high-powered firearms has, have been used and uh, the firepower can hurt not just a single civilian, but can actually uh, kill and mutilate more than one. Okay, Gab, we've heard your, uh, we've shared your views on what, young Filipinos feel about what's happening in Gaza. Now, uh, if you were given the opportunity to uh, speak to your classmates, your batchmates, or members of your neighborhood, right, what would you tell them, uh, you know, uh, with respect to uh, getting their cooperation maybe or support for uh, any plans you may have to address uh, what's been happening in Gaza? Or is this something that's not a priority issue to your mind of young Filipinos like yourself? I think it's very, very much relevant. And actually, now more than ever, we need to act. Even if these events are not directly happening in the country. And if I will be asked to speak to our generation, one thing I would say is that we need to look beyond what's happening in, for example, our own spaces and look at what's happening in the world and seeing how we are also in the responsibility to, to try and contribute to peace, not just in the Philippines, but also in the world. And I think one thing that I also want to say is that we really need to make an effort to know more about what's happening. Because if there's one thing I've noticed, if it's not happening in the Philippines, the chance that the people or our youth will know about it is very, very, very limited. That's why there's really a challenge to urge the youth, urge our generation to look beyond, for example, what we see on our phones, what we see on social media, but try to research and try to look at the nuances of these conflicts, of the history of these actions, and also try in our small um, initiatives to contribute, if not even the um, direct donations or contributions, but talking about it. Because talking about it does something. And yeah. Why do you think it's relevant? Because the question of relevance, you already mentioned it, right? I mean, a normal t Filipino teenager would not care, right? Especially if neither of his parents are deployed in the Middle East for work. So what? why should they care? 
That's the question. Why should they care about what's happening in Gaza, in Ukraine? Why should they care? Well, for the very simple purpose that it's also just happening to fellow humans, uh, to people. And it, we don't really need to make a justification that we should be related, um, very tightly linked for us to care about what's happening outside our world. Just the simple fact that we're um, people as well. It's also people, it's also youth, it's also children, mothers, women, citizens who are being affected by conflict. You don't need to directly be affected by it to care. And especially if us with the privilege to be at peace or be at home when other people don't have that liberty. Other people are being bombed right now and they don't have the choice of running or going somewhere else. And just that power that we have, privilege that we have, is a responsibility of us too, to try to make an effort so that other people will have it too. Because it's, of course, a right and peace should be global. Well said, Gab. You know, after uh, COVID, I mean the first two years, right? I would have thought to my mind people would be more uh, sympathetic, more empathic because of what has happened to us and the difficulty we we all, the, the whole world faced with the pandemic. I thought, you know, that our emotions, our selfishness has, you know, diminished and that we learn to be more caring of one another. Because what happens to us, we saw at, during the, during, at the height of COVID, right? What happens to another greatly impacts our lives. So I thought, you know, continue in the continuum, we would have learned from what we've experienced. And yet, what's happening in Gaza seems the lessons uh, may not have been uh, heeded by, again, mostly by the policymakers, right? By governments uh, who have been taking a very harsh stance using deployment of uh, military forces and technology-aided armaments. So, um, again, I, I, I share with you what I learned and what we discussed yesterday in that forum on uh, women in peace building. And one, the, the first, the last question asked of all of us uh, members of the panel was, uh, what is your advice or what should be something uh, that the audience or the participants in that forum should take away. And my, my only, my first answer was uh, to be, to learn to be civil. Have you noticed that there seems to be a lack of civil civility <laughs> as technology progresses? Uh, the sense of civility of being human seems to have been lost. You see harsh words, 
uh, posted online. You know, there's no more uh, censorship of of um, hurtful words that they uh, blast against. You know, people they don't even really know just because they didn't like what was posted or that the photos of taken by a certain individual which he, which he or she shared online is something that they did not agree with but instead of saying that you know i don't i disagree with what you're saying they criticize and curse and some of the hurtful words have caused uh, emotional uh hurt, emotional uh damage and I think even the psyche of the people posting, that's why there's there have been high incidences of uh, bullying, right? That has caused what? That has led to uh, suicide and people, you know, uh, doing harm to themselves. So my first word was, you know, you have to be learned. You have to learn to be civil to one another. Second is be kind. You have to be kind to one another. And with kindness comes tolerance. I mean, we are not made in the same mode. We differ from one another. But we should celebrate our differences because that is what that makes life more interesting and engaging. So uh, that was what we shared. And then most of the Participants agreed because they themselves find that intolerance, more often than not, is the cause of conflict. What do you think, Gab? Is this also true in your generation? Yes. Actually, very interestingly enough, we, we might be familiar with the word cancel culture, things like that. And that's actually very, very um like prevalent in our youth, like one, for example, mistake that um, one person does in a minute, they'll be canceled. And then there's there's not much room for error or understanding or delving deeper into what's happening. And sometimes when these things happen, like people um, cancel this um figure and then moments later maybe a week or so they see that actually the news that they found out about the figure is wrong and i think and if we look at it then you won't really get to go back and undo for example the hurtful words that you have committed you have done and of course the effect also that has on the person that you have canceled for example also presents a different um like point and i i may relate that to what's happening for example these for example these lack of support this lack of understanding the stance that we make it really affects multitudes to the people who are affected by the conflict of the war. And that's just us in our um, split-second decision or the government's split-second decision of helping or not, of saying this word or not. And I think that in the future, for, in the future especially, 
what we need to do to make sure that this doesn't happen is to be more understanding, like you said, attorney, um, to be more civil and to err really on this perspective of peace and inclusivity so that we don't have these, um, we don't make these actions that really terribly impact people. And, you know, this is the last quarter of the year. This, uh, as you know, the Philippines, we celebrate the holidays as early as September. And, you know, uh, the holidays, uh, Christmas, New Year, is supposed to be a celebration and a prayer for peace for the whole world. So as we close our episode for today, I would like, all our audience listening to the podcast, She Talks Peace, if you could say a little prayer for all those who are in the Gaza Strip, both Palestines and Jews, uh, for they are suffering. Um, there has, have been uh, uh, Israeli citizens, Jewish citizens who've been trapped and are unable to escape from the Gaza Strip because of. Uh, the measures taken by Hamas, and because of the extreme hard-line position taken by the Israeli government, uh, the continuous bombardment of uh, the Gaza Strip has also uh, impacted uh, civilian communities. So there has been uh, escalation of deaths and casualties among Palestinians. So. I would like to request everybody if we could share uh, a minute and pray that peace may prevail and that uh, wise heads can uh, intervene and de-escalate the tension that's occurring in the Middle East so that uh, as we look towards 2024, we attain some stability in the region. So, Gab, um, much as I would like to end the episode, uh, I hope that we look for uh, tomorrow's news to report something positive, right? That uh, cooler heads have prevailed and that uh, the use of force uh, should be the last resort, if ever. And that, uh, you know, they should, uh, both sides, Hamas and the Israeli government, should come to the table to negotiate and talk. Although they have an extreme policy of not negotiating with terrorists, but still, because of the numbers of casualties among civilians, mostly women and children, I think this is something that, we all should worry about and should be, you know, should consider as a pressing issue that should concern everybody. So, Gab, if you want to say your farewell for uh, as we close this episode. Um, so, again, just the final words is we don't have to experience these 
to really care. And especially the youth, we should try to know more, act more, to help what we can and elevate the dialogue about these issues. And of course, even for the government um, authorities, I think I really compel that we act with compassion to think about that bottom line who's affected in this, it's the civilians, it's innocent people, lives at stake also. So thank you so much for inviting me at She Talks Peace. And I hope you enjoy the episode and see you next week. And this is Salma Rasul uh, taking the stead of uh, Amina Rasul Bernardo, uh, wishing everybody uh, a prayerful, prayerful day. And hopeful that tomorrow would yield a better future for our brothers and sisters in the Gaza Strip. So, uh, folks, do listen to our future episodes of She Talks Peace. And from the Philippines, uh, a good day to all. Goodbye. Bye. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.